Hello and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast, your weekly dose of miles, points, and travel. My name is Sean Coomer, the founder of Miles to Memories. I'm joined each and every week by my incredibly handsome and well-spoken co-host, Joe Chung uh, from As the Joe Flies and MTM Managing Editor, Mark Osterman. Oh man, I thought uh, it was only going to be Mark. I'm just uh, so flattered. Thank you so much. I'm kind of upset that he threw Joe in there with me. I, I don't know. I don't know what I think about that. Just want to yeah. just want to make you guys both feel really good here at the top of the show. Well, you made me feel good. And you made him feel bad. So uh, I think you're going to have to work on it next time. But uh, sorry, continue, continue. <laughs> All right. So if you're new to the show, here is how it works. Each week, we bring you a lively discussion of the day's hot topics, plus expert tips to save you time and money while traveling. Whether we're discussing the day's craziest news story or how to maximize the latest deal, we're here each and every Thursday for about 45 minutes or so. As a reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Google, or any other podcast app you choose. Find all of the relevant links at mtmpodcast.com. And finally, if you love the show, consider telling a friend, and don't forget to leave us a great review to help us reach more listeners. Now, before we get into the show, we're going to catch up a little bit. I think we all have trips coming up in the next week or so. I'm traveling with Ellie to Houston this coming weekend using my uh, CNB Visa $100 discount. And I think both of you guys are going to Florida separately. Uh, Joe, you said earlier that you're going very hard at Disney. Those were your exact words. What does that mean exactly? That means, and Mark, for the record, I didn't bring it up. But anyway, that means that uh, <laughs> I will be starting at 6 a.m. and uh, going to midnight. Yeah, so I get there. Uh, I'll be out till 11 the first night, then start at 6 a.m., should be out to around midnight, then start at 7 a.m. I'll go home if I haven't dropped dead by uh, like 6 p.m. Uh, for a flight. So what are you doing at like 6 a.m. though? I thought the parks don't open until like so, a bit later. Yeah. So currently uh, until November 2nd, Hollywood Studios, which has the Star Wars land, opens at 6 a.m. Uh, because they thought there were going to be a ton of crowds, which there are not. I mean, there are crowds, but it's not a ton. So it operates as like a de facto kind of have the park mostly to yourself. So I'm going to check it out at 6 a.m. and see how good it is. And I'm not going to get to go to Star Wars land at night. So I figure going at 6 a.m. is uh, going to be the same thing because I don't think the sun will have risen yet. Except for there'll be like four people with you in the morning. So <laughs> you can drink coffee and like eat a bagel and, oh, and just people, walk around emptiness. People be crazy, Mark. Well, that and if it was empty like that, like that is kind of a theme park lover's dream to, you know, enjoy the park without people there. So that's a good thing. What are you going to Florida for, Mark? To check out the world's biggest McDonald's, of course. What, why else does anybody go to Orlando? <laughs> I should do that. I'm going to have a car. I should go. I, we'll I'll meet there. We'll meet, let's set it up. You're going to be in Orlando? Yeah, uh, we're heading down there uh, next week for both their birthdays. My son's is in October and my daughter's is in November. So we're going to Universal there uh, for Harry Potter land because you know, they watch all the movies and they're big into it. So I think they'll like that. And I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, we actually will be there at the same time then. I don't know. Maybe we do have to meet at the McDonald's. Uh, what are you doing at midnight? Uh, <laughs> That's the only time I'm free. So I'll see you at the McDonald's then. Or 5 a.m.? Yeah, yeah. We'll get a copy at 5 a.m. at McDonald's. Hey, uh, going back to that beginning opening where we were talking about attractiveness, that kind of reminded me of... <laughs> A comment uh, in the can't wait, I, can't, I can't wait to see where this goes. I cannot wait to see where it this goes. It reminds me of a comment in our Facebook group from a good old Joey who said that uh, he wants to drink a beer with me, but the other one's like Joe. He doesn't know so much about if he wants to. And then he just completely ignored that I exist. <laughs> Shout out to Joey. <laughs> I don't know what, how, to, how to take that. He just, just felt that he didn't either need to address me either way. 
and uh, he said and uh, and others. You're just and yeah, others. I'm just the others. Yeah, that's and, okay. Uh, you know what, Joey and all uh, listeners, it's cool if you leave us stuff like that on Facebook because it's the internet and all engagement is good engagement. So thanks so much for your comment, Joey. Even though you <laughs> took a direct diss at me and a backhanded diss at uh, Sean. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into the show. We actually wanted to talk about a, a serious topic because a post that went very uh, you know almost viral on our site was actually just us linking to a CNN article about violence in Mexico and specifically a police captain getting murdered there. And uh, yeah, Mark, you want to give us a little bit more background on that story? And then I think we wanted to talk just more widely about our views on safety while traveling. Yeah. So the uh, police chief of, of the Cancun area uh, was actually decapitated. His body was found in uh, just outside of like the outskirts of Cancun or whatnot. There's some background that they think maybe he was working with one of the cartels and the other cartel took offense to it, but I don't know if that's true or not. But it's just kind of a shocking story. And the way I heard about it was actually we were planning a trip with another couple and Cancun was on the list and she brought it up to me and said, you know, I guess we're not uh, we're not going to Cancun anymore because the police chief just got murdered down there. And and there's been a lot of other issues in in the Cancun area, a lot of drug-related crime. So I think people are starting to get more nervous about going there. It hasn't hit the hotel zone, as far as I know, yet. It's more like out in the city area. But it is something that I think people are deterred from going there because of it. I mean, Joe, have you specifically, I guess, to Mexico, we can start there. Have you ever been to Mexico? And do you, uh, you know, think twice about traveling there because of stories like this? Yeah, I definitely don't think twice about traveling there because of stories like this. I think a better way to say it is I don't spend any longer thinking about my safety in Mexico than I do really in any other place. You know, to me, it's kind of all the same. You know, you can get in trouble. It can be dangerous anywhere. Yeah, I uh, agree. I think one thing that it's a little bit nowadays with the 24 hour news cycle, things gets a little bit overblown because we have access to greater amounts of information. I, I know that this topic was something that I had to look at very seriously back in 2007 when we were leaving on our first big trip when we hadn't traveled internationally a lot and we were traveling with a young child, six years old at the time. And so one of the countries I remember we went to was Guatemala and I had read a lot about Guatemala and, and learned a lot about it, but there was a history of violence in that country and it had still at that point had the highest murder rate in Central America. And so through doing research, I learned that where we were going was safe. And if you use common sense, you were, it was safe. But I just remember everybody being just freaked out for us traveling there with with a child and it just being one of the most incredible experiences. And I certainly, with Mexico, uh, my wife is from Mexico, so I have a, a great deal of experience there. And, you know, it is dangerous there in certain parts. And there are wars going on between cartels and the government and things like that. But generally, as a visitor, as a tourist, if you're um, diligent and you're staying in the correct areas, just like you wouldn't go into a bad area in certain cities in the United States, you have to sort of be diligent about where you are. Generally, then, as safe in my experience traveling, but that's just one person, you know, anecdotally. But have you guys ever run into a situation where you've been somewhere that sort of people think is dangerous and then you were actually in a dangerous situation there? I haven't been in a super dangerous situation. I was told that Barcelona had a ton of pickpockets. I think I've told this story elsewhere, but uh, maybe not. I remember we had just landed uh, or gone off the train. I can't remember how we exactly traveled. And so we had all our suitcases with us and we were going onto the subway. And I just remember walking onto the subway and, um, Walked onto the subway and I'm not the tallest guy. You know, I'm not Mark. See, he's tall and handsome. I'm just, I'm just handsome, I guess. <laughs> I'm all five nine. I'm super tall. <laughs> I mean, you got me. You got me. So I walked on the subway 
And then all of a sudden I just was staring at some dude's chest and I was like, huh, this is like weird. I'm just like literally like looking into some guy's chest and the subway wasn't even super crowded. And then I realized that I was surrounded by like three dudes. And then all of a sudden I felt something moving out of my pocket, which was uh, my Nintendo DS because I'm cool. And I was playing that in the station. I probably shouldn't have been doing that, Um, (laughs) but I had put it back into my pocket. And so it's not a funny story. Okay, Mark, take it seriously. Anyway, so I looked down and I saw two fingers and my Nintendo DS slowly coming out of my pocket. And so I took my two fingers and used gravity and pushed it back into my pocket. And I just remember um, them muttering some swear words or something and then getting off the train. You take that. You take that, guys. You're not getting my DS. Yeah, you're not going to get my Nintendo DS. So um, so I was in that situation. And interestingly enough, the other day I was in Boston in some touristy area. I can't remember exactly where I was, but there were a couple of tourists in their 20s or something like that. And I noticed that they were wearing their backpacks on their front, kind of like Americans do when they're in Europe. I kind of had a little chuckle about it because, you know, when you go to a foreign city, you're always worried and you do stuff like wear your backpack on your front and things like that. But I would never do that in Boston. Obviously, I would maybe consider doing that in Barcelona uh, next time I go or something like that. Love Barcelona, by the way. Um, And so, you know, I think to me, all cities are probably equally dangerous, more or less, especially if you're in the touristy areas. It's just when you're unfamiliar, that's when you're more liable to have something happen to you. And that's why I'll take precautions when I'm overseas. But it's not because I think, you know, Barcelona is inherently any more dangerous than Boston is or New York City or anything like that. Yeah, I think it's a good point is I think most of the crime against tourists anywhere generally is because they're in a strange place and lost. And it's generally nonviolent crime like pickpockets and other sort of street scams. And I've seen that anywhere in the world, whether it be, you know, here in the United States or in Europe or in Asia or, you know, Australia, I've seen various pickpocket schemes and and other things like that. So yeah, I don't know that we're generally as uh, in danger as we think. And I think one of the things we've all traveled a fair amount is the more you travel, the more you sort of get your little rituals about you and ways that you look out for it. For me, you know, I don't keep my wallet in my back pocket while I'm traveling and I have different things I do to sort of keep myself from getting pickpocketed and just the way I carry myself. And that's just stuff that has happened over time. But having been to a ton of countries where people say, oh, don't go there, it's quote unquote dangerous and just having incredible experiences, I think the biggest takeaway an unfortunate um, side effect of stories like this one is that people simply like shut off, especially a lot of Americans, you know, they don't have passports. They just, they say, oh, this is just another reason that I should stay home. And I I think that's pretty unfortunate. This past summer, there was a uh, travel advisory for NASA and a couple of the more popular areas. And one of them was the fish fry, which is actually one of my favorite things to go to in Nassau. So I was surprised to see that on there, which I think is an overreaction to some crime that happens in the area. I've walked Walked down there from downtown during the day, never had an issue. Uh, shout out to Goldie's because that's a really good restaurant. If you're if you're going to the fish fry, go to Goldie's. It's awesome. Uh, everybody that works there is really nice. Uh, the food's great. But uh, my wife and her friend went there. They were on a, a girls trip together and, and they went there at night. Uh, and there's a park that you walk by on the way back because they're staying at the Hilton downtown Nassau. And the park at night gets a little bit sketchy because I think they sell drugs out of cars and stuff in the parking lot. Um, so actually, one of the guys that when you walk into the fish fry, there will be a guy standing there that will try to like corral you into one of the places that he has a uh, that a relationship with that he'll get like tipped basically for, for pointing you to that place. And we had seen him before in previous trips. So when they left, they actually said, hey, can you walk back to the hotel with us? And he's like, yeah, no problem. So there's great people anywhere 
you go. And usually locals will help you out if you're in a situation that, that you don't feel totally comfortable with. Feel free to ask them for help if, if you're nervous about it or whatnot. So they walk back to the hotel, which by themselves, it might have been a little bit sketchy, but I think they still would have been fine. So just, you know, use common sense. And, and I think most of the time you'll be all right. Yeah. And I think with the internet, so obviously there are still protests happening in Hong Kong. Um, there was a big one today and a little bit of violence that happened as we're recording this. It's October 1st. Um, and so currently my friend is there and also my dad is there. My dad is like five minutes away by walking from where the kid got shot today. Uh, Hong Kong police shot a kid, or not a kid. Well, he's 18 years old. So yeah, he's a kid. You know, I'm not going to get into that. But my point is because of the internet, it's very clear kind of where the protests are going to happen, especially if you're staying at a hotel. My friend is staying at a hotel in Wan Chai and she was like, the hotel tells us where the protests are going to be. So it's pretty easy to avoid. The main thing that's happening is like, sometimes we have to take taxis instead of the MTR. And so, you know, I think as long as you keep yourself informed, you know, do your research, there's not really that much to worry about. So, you know, I think in one sense, the internet blows everything out of proportion. So, a lot of times things seem more dangerous than they are. In another sense, the internet is our friend and can help us to make sure, you know, we kind of steer clear of areas that might be more problematic, especially, you know, when countries are going through political turmoil uh, like Hong Kong right now. Just another aside, my friend says it seems like a great time to visit Hong Kong. The protests aren't really affecting things as long as you avoid them and uh, tourism is down right now. So it's a good time for tourists to go. I do have one question for you guys. I kind of have mentally accepted that I will give someone my wallet or my suitcase uh, when I have my kids with me if, you know, I feel my kids are threatened in any sort of way. So, you know, have, has having kids or while you're literally holding your kid's hands and a suitcase in the other hand, does that kind of affect what you think of mentally if someone were to try to, you know, start something or take something from you? Yeah, I mean... Even if I don't have kids with me, I don't know how much I'll resist. If somebody wants to sniff my underwear, they can go for it. You know, I don't, I don't normally have anything too life worthy in my suitcase that I'm going to fight for. You know, it's clothes. I thought, and, I thought you meant sniff your underwear while you were wearing it. I was no. like, no, I was like, Mark has I don't want, I don't want to kink shame, but Mark has some weird uh, pickpockets. Kink That's how they talk in Michigan. Uh, <laughs> yeah sniff my drawers buddy go for it you know like what I, I might have a computer in there that's a couple hundred dollars my travel computer is a cheap you know lower end la- laptop that's about it i'm not really worried about anything so if somebody wants to take it go for it but i've never i've never had that issue usually i'm wearing a backpack anyway so that makes it tougher but i definitely would let it go if i had the kids with me yeah and i think i'm i'm more mean when the kids are with me, I'm even like paying less attention to my suitcase and I'm okay if uh, something were to happen. What about you, Sean? I'm curious. Yeah, I think all of my, my travel really started in a family situation, all my real uh, hardcore international travel. So I think I really, I learned really quickly to always be aware of our surroundings. So yeah, I'm always, when I'm with the family, I'm always sort of positioning myself to keep an eye on the group and making sure, you know, that we're okay and not making sure that I'm not getting ahead of anyone and, and things like that. Just just to sort of be aware of it. And like you said, Mark, I don't think that I'm going to resist anybody coming up, whether I'm by myself or with the kids, but certainly uh, Joe, when I'm with the family, I'm, you know, I'm taking that lead, that lead role and sort of keeping an eye on everybody. And my wife is too. Generally we, we sort of, we have less small children than, than you do. So it's a little bit easier, but we're generally both uh, keeping that active in our minds that we're always watching everything going on at all times. 
my number one goal when traveling with small children is making sure they don't lick anything or <laughs> put their hands in their mouth oh, God, after they so touch hard. the dirty subway or, or like whatever. Dangerous underwear. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely don't be sniffing people's butts or whatever. <laughs> Ah, well, yeah, that's a, that's a good first lesson of travel for, for little ones. (laughs) Before we move on, let's, I would love to hear you guys thoughts on that. Engage us in the Facebook group, uh, the Miles to Memories Facebook group or on our social media at Miles to Memories. Let us know what you think about this subject. Share your opinion on it. Today's episode is brought to you by the brand new Miles to Memories award booking service. Uh, we try to bring you the best information on to learn how to maximize your travel rewards, but we know you don't always have time to do that. And uh, we partnered with some of the best uh, miles and points people in the world, some of the best experts at redeeming miles and points to offer a service that we think is uh, both affordable and provides great customer service. For you know, people who are just looking for a little bit of help uh, redeeming their miles and points, or who don't have the time to do that, you can actually see all of our prizes miles to memories dot com forward slash award hyphen booking hyphen service, or just go to miles to memories dot com on on the menu bar at the top. Just click award bookings. You can fill out a form, uh, give us your information. If we don't actually get anything booked for you, you obviously don't have to pay. But just check out our introductory pricing. We really think that we're have the best prices, but like I said, we're really looking to, to provide the best service. Um, check it out, milestomemories.com, the brand new Miles to Memories award booking service. Now we, let's segue into talking about our favorite topic, which is credit cards. This week, uh, American Express and Delta uh, dropped some big changes for it, pretty much the entire credit card lineup, the co-branded partnership between the two banks. And uh, some of it's good, some of it's bad. Um, I, I know some people have said it's been kind of a net positive, but uh, let's break it down a little bit. Um, do you, uh, either of you have any strong feelings? Let's start about it. I mean, the, the the four Delta cards that they have are the Delta Blue Amex, which is the no annual fee, sort of the normal level Delta Gold, which has, you know, like around a $100 annual fee. And then you have the two kind of premium, you have the Platinum Amex and then the Reserve card, which are the high-end cards. So We'll kind of break down each one, but just to start off with, do you guys, you know, what do you guys think of these changes uh, to the Delta lineup overall? So overall, I think they have a large Delta card holdership. It's a very big program for them. A lot of people carry them. I know a lot of people, like regular folk that aren't into miles and points so much that think Delta cards are the greatest and whatnot. And they've usually been kind of terrible for everyday spend. You're not, you don't even really earn very much on Delta expenditures and everything else was like one time per dollar. So I think that these changes are aimed at those people that are longtime card holders that they only have one or two cards. And, and this is like their main go-to card. And I think it's actually a net positive for them because they're adding, you know, supermarkets, uh, restaurants, uh, good bonus categories that they weren't getting before that is, you know, somewhat competitive compared to the membership rewards cards. So I think overall, it's a net, net positive for them. For people like us, I don't think we really gained enough to offset the annual fees, the increase, but that's kind of my thinking where I'm at with it right now. You know, let's just, before we talk a little bit more about it, we'll talk, we'll kind of go through each of the changes here. So let's start with the Delta Blue Amex. That's the no annual fee card. And it doesn't have a lot of benefits to it. It doesn't have an annual fee. It did get better though, because they took away foreign transaction fees. And now it earns 2X miles at restaurants worldwide instead of just in the United States. I know a lot of people probably don't have that card. I don't want to waste too much time talking about it. The card that a lot of people do have is the Delta Gold Amex. And... um I think that it's, you know, mostly positive, the changes there. 
So uh, beginning on January 30th, you're going to get 2x miles at restaurants and 2x miles at U.S. supermarkets on the consumer card. And then on the business card, you're going to get 2x for U.S. shipping and advertising. Um, the interesting thing, Mark uh, or Joe, that I thought they added was you're going to get $100 Delta flight credit after spending $10,000 a year on the card. So they're really encouraging people to spend with the card and in, even on that lower the lower gold card where they've always had sort of spend um, bonuses on the, on the higher cards, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, are there any other changes to the gold card? Anything you guys find interesting there? It doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, and we can talk about this when we get to the higher cards. But it's kind of like since I can earn 4x at grocery from my Amex Gold, I wouldn't start dipping into the 2X on this card until uh, I hit 25,000 on my Amex Gold because obviously I'm earning 4X membership rewards points. I can transfer them to Delta anyway. And yeah, there's the whatever um, whatever that fee is called when you're transferring, but you know that's not a huge deal to me. I mean, yes, it's good that it's 2X on grocery now, but it just kind of isn't exciting enough for me. And like Mark said, if that was my only card or if I was a Delta warrior, that'd be good. But like as a regular user or a regular travel hacker, it doesn't do much for me. The one thing interesting with the gold card is you used to be able to get a medallion qualifying dollar exemption if you spent $25,000 a year on the gold card. And that's been taken away. So you can't get that exemption with the gold card anymore. You have to have either the platinum or the reserve cards. Although arguably those cards would be the better cards to spend extra money on anyway. So yeah, I think overall the gold card is 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 fine. Really where you want to get into sort of the advanced uh, travel hacking of the Amex Delta cards is going to be in talking about the premium cards. And the next one up is the platinum card, which changed its bonus categories a little bit. It now has two and three X bonus categories. It has a global entry fee credit now. So, I mean, every card seems to have that. And then the big one I think that might be interesting is the business Delta Platinum card now earns 1.5X on purchases of $5,000 or more. So similar to the business platinum, uh, MX business platinum card. Um, but uh, for those trade-offs, you're actually, the annual fee is going to go up to $250. Now here's what we should actually talk about. The miles boost is changing to something called status boost. And this applies to both cards, but basically uh, in the past, you could spend a certain amount of money. And then at, at, if you hit that threshold, you would actually get medallion qualifying miles and bonus redeemable miles, you don't get that anymore. So now you actually just get the qualifying miles without the redeemable miles when you hit, I think, what, 25,000 in spend on the platinum card and 50,000 in spend. Yeah, you get 10,000 qualifying miles each time. So you can look at that, but basically um, they're allowing you to spend to get status, which they they did before, but they they took away the bonus miles that you would earn on that spend. So that's kind of a takeaway, but uh, there's some positives there. What do you guys think? I am kind of curious uh, because they added the grocery on the personal one where you earn two times at uh, grocery stores for that. So before, when you spent 25000 you got that 10000 bonus. So it was like 1.4 times earning once you hit 25000 So I, I do wonder if the big spenders would rather get two times at grocery for that 25000 versus 1.4 at non-bonus spend. Uh, I haven't really worked out the fees in the uh, Visa gift card type of arena if that kind of offsets it. But I did find that interesting that that's an addition where they can kind of, it, it might make it easier to go hit that 25,000 at a supermarket versus, uh, you know, before we had to go through uh, a different Avenue. So I think that's where the trade-off was. So you're getting two times instead of 1.4, but the fees might be higher on the Visa gift cards going that route. So 
I haven't calculated the math, but I think that's where the uh, the miles and points people are looking at. Yeah, if you can if you can do big purchases over five thousand dollars, earn that one point five x. Um, that could actually be be pretty good, considering it's unbonused. You know, if you somewhere that doesn't have a category bonus, so I could see that being good. But I think the the card that most like hardcore Delta people are really going to look at is the reserve card, which is their premium card into. Uh, the credit of American Express, they really are trying to, I think, differentiate their premium cards across, you know, they, their Hilton premium cards very good. They've been making changes to their uh, charge cards like the Platinum. And here with the Reserve Amex card, they've actually added some some interesting benefits, starting with one I've heard a lot of chatter about today, Centurion Lounge Access when flying Delta. So even if you have a Delta Reserve card and you're flying Delta, you don't need an American Express Platinum card. You can actually get into the lounges. Do you guys think that's going to cause more crowding or you just think that there's not going to be all that many people using that? I don't think there will be a ton of people going with the Reserve over the Amex Platinum just because all the perks you with you get you get with the Platinum and then the lounge access you're already getting with the Platinum that you're getting with the Reserve. So I think the only reason people go with the Reserve are the elite flyers that are trying to get you know, an extra boost because you get more priority if you have the reserve card for upgrades, um, as well as the MQM for spending $25,000 twice a year. So I think those are the two main reasons. What I did notice that I think is kind of cool is if you have the reserve, you get access to complimentary upgrades for card members without medallion status. So it's kind of a way to actually skirt not getting status. That's for somebody like me because I use miles to fly. So I, I never have status with anybody unless... American Airlines has given it to me for free. I think that's a cool perk that makes me actually think about it, consider it over an Amex Platinum, depending on what kind of upgrades you could see. If it's giving me uh, main comfort or comfort plus because I hold the card, that that could be a lot of value right there if you're if you're flying Delta often. Yeah, I think that uh, getting the getting on the upgrade list is certainly an interesting perk. Um, you are going to get be behind every single elite that they have, but um, I think depending on the market that you fly at and how often, there might be some options for upgrades. And I don't, uh, I didn't read enough into it. I'm assuming that that also includes upgrades to Comfort Plus, as you say. So I, I yeah, that's probably yeah. I haven't, I haven't read that either, so I'm not sure if it does. But if it did, that that ups your uh, chances a lot. But I, I think the the biggest sort of interesting thing I see is is the status boost on the reserve card because you can earn fifteen thousand medallion qualifying miles, so qualifying miles towards status after every thirty thousand in spend. And so the difference between this and the old card is you could only do that twice on the old card. Now you can do it up to four times. So you could spend one hundred and twenty thousand dollars on this card in a year and get sixty thousand medallion qualifying miles. Um, and that's I think enough to get uh, gold status. Um, and then you can actually get platinum status, I believe if you had like a business and a personal card, you could actually spend 120,000 on each of them and get up to 120,000 medallion qualifying miles. So you can almost uh, spend your way to really high level elite status with Delta. And that's really where the value in this card is, right, Joe? Yeah. So that's exactly the scenario that I considered, you know, these cards spending my way to platinum status. Living in Boston, there's a lot of Delta frequencies and I would love to, um, you know, I think I've talked before about how there's a lot of cheap economy fares uh, with miles to Europe. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of domestic fares from Boston as well. So having platinum status would be great um, because, you know, I could redeposit awards, change them as much as I wanted without fees. So that's the only thing that's kind of tempting me. But at this point in my life, I'm just not doing enough spending um, outside of my regular spending to hit those kinds of numbers. But, you know, if the cards remain like this and time does free up for me, 
that's something I'd consider. Uh, I don't know if it'd be enough to make me get the cards, but in terms of all these changes, those are kind of the only cards that I'm considering. Although this, I've never had the reserve, so the sign-up bonuses are a little bit tempting. Yeah, because they're ju- they're juiced up right now, seventy five thousand, which is which is really hot. Usually, you never saw the reserve over thirty, but lately they've been bumping it up even more. So those are tempting. Now the one down oh, there, there's a few things that they did take away, and the big change I'd say is the annual fee before on the reserve was four fifty. Now it's five hundred and fifty dollars. So you actually are paying more. You do have the ability to get more medallion qualifying miles by spending, but you're also not receiving those bonus miles when you hit those spend thresholds uh, with the miles boost. So paying more, getting a little bit less, but then you have the ability to spend more for status. So I guess there's certainly trade-offs there. But I think overall, they really didn't. It seems like they did a lot of tweaking and trying to figure out what's best. It doesn't seem like it's an overall negative set of changes top to bottom. I do wish the reserve card would set itself a, uh, apart from the MX Platinum and allow like you to bring in one guest. I know that with the new changes, they give you two free guest passes, which for a year isn't very much, but it's better than nothing. But I'd love to see where it's like a full membership or like, you know, with the American Airlines uh, premium card where you can bring in a ton of guests. I think the Delta and American Express messed up by not at least allowing you to bring in two guests with you when you go to Delta lounges. Because, you know, it's competing with the MX Platinum. You think they would want to do that to to set itself apart. Yeah, and I think I think that's a good point. They basically have the same benefit now. And as far as like Centurion Lounge uh, access for the reserve card, I just don't see people, if they're flying Delta already, they're going to probably be using a Delta Sky Club unless they're in a, one of the weird airports. I think pretty much all the airports that have Centurion Lounges probably have Sky Clubs. So I don't think that's going to make the lounges more more crowded. But yeah, as you say, it seems like they've overlapped the benefits between those cards a little bit more. And uh, they're clearly trying to create premium credit cards for different people and trying to get at them and trying to, you know, they have their, their hotel cards uh, with Bonvoy and Hilton. They have the revamp on this card and they're trying to make these things better with these incremental changes. But it seems like every single time on these premium cards, they certainly are adding stuff, but then they're raising the annual fee quite a bit too. So it's not always a no brainer as to which is better. Anything else you guys have to add on Delta? It's just weird that they keep increasing their fees and, you know, the benefits don't seem that much better. So it's a time when it seems like people are fighting for people's dollar and being more competitive, but Amex just keeps increasing their fees. So we can talk about that another day. All right. And to close out, we're going to do a new uh, segment this week called rapid fire. Just sort of highlight some topics that we covered on the site that you can uh, check out the articles and find out if you're interested, maybe learn a little bit more about us. So the first one, cheapest first-class flights with miles. Ian wrote a guide on some of the cheapest ways you can get uh, some of the best first-class products internationally. And uh, it's up there on the site to check out. But I wanted to ask you guys, what is your favorite or most quirky first-class experience that you guys have had flying? I know this sounds a little bougie, this this question, but I know that we've all flown first-class in one form or the other, so... Uh, first of all, I'm really glad you highlighted that Ian post. I think a few weeks ago, I was going to suggest it as something we talked about. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that post is getting some love. Quirkiest first class experience. It's tough to have like a quirky first class experience. They're almost always uniformly great or at least very good. Uh, they're uniformly great. I will say one of my best experiences was I booked out uh, or not on purpose, but it ended up that 
myself, my wife, my parents, and uh, my lap infant daughter at the time were the only five people in a Lufthansa first class cabin. So we had the whole entire nose of the plane to ourselves. Um, that was really awesome. You know, we didn't have to worry about bothering anyone. Obviously, we got all the service and it was just a great time. It was like an eight, nine hour flight. Um, I can't remember exactly where we're coming from Munich, I think. Um, and so, you know, I think that's one of my best and I guess it's quirky because, you know, when do you get the cabin to yourself? So um, one of my favorite first class experiences ever. What about you, Mark? Uh, I would say like, I don't know, quirk, quirky is kind of a tough question. Thanks, Sean, for that. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a weird experience. We were coming back from uh, Dublin on Aer Lingus uh, flying into Boston and we had that's only business class but okay whatever you know <laughs> so snobby Jeez. i'm such a snob <laughs> now he's such a snob right now bougie. yeah i'm uh, uh you know bethany walsh bougie miles yeah. bougie miles she's inspiring me so i apologize whatever so business class okay but uh yeah so when we were flying back they we had call i had called in to book the seats and everything which is a kind of a pain pain in the butt about booking your lingus but when I called in, I had it all set up. And then when we checked in, they moved our seats around. So we weren't sitting in like the double seats down the middle row. We were on like, you know, one was in the middle and one was on the end across the aisle. So we went to the front and, you know, said, hey, we want to sit together. Can we move the seats? So she moved us back like a row or two. And then I looked at the the numbers and I was like, I don't think I don't think this is right. So I pull up like their seat map and and she put us like across the cabin again, like we weren't next to each other. And so we had to go back like two or three times to get it corrected till she understood. I'm like, we want to sit in the middle row right next to each other. And I was thinking, you know, maybe it's sold out because it was sold out on the way there. And we get into the cabin. And there's like six people in the cabin. So we could have picked like any seat we wanted. So I didn't understand what was, you know, such an issue with her for getting us those seats. And then we could have just boarded the plane and and sat anywhere we wanted anyway. So it was it was kind of pointless, but frustrating, kind of quirky, I guess. I hope that fits the bill. It's weird because that's an English-speaking airline, so I. it's kind of weird that they had such a disconnect. Yeah, I don't know what her deal was, if she didn't drink coffee that morning or what, but <laughs> I'm like, come on, can you, we just want to be next to each other. What is your problem? There's no nobody on any of these seats. How are you messing this up? Oh, the uh, wonders of uh, airline employees sometimes. But yeah, I mean, uh, those are those are great stories. I Just mine, I didn't have anything elaborate in mind. Mine was, I think the quirkiest was, Flying uh, an air, uh, Korean Air 747-400 Taipei to Seoul. So it was a short flight, but I had the entire first-class cabin to myself. So the entire nose of the airplane to myself uh, for that flight. And then I got to fly on the 747-8 in international first-class on Korean Air home, which was fantastic. But just being in the nose of, the, of an old 747 all by myself was pretty cool. That's my favorite one. Yeah, that's cool. I got a, I got one more story um, okay. since we already sound like snobs, might as well continue. Um, so well, I was, well, you, in, sound, you sound like a snob. I don't know about the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, you're berating that poor Aerolingus. It was only it, business so. class. I, I, I can't be snobby in business. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is, I think this would qualify. Well, it's quirky to me at least. So we were in the Lufthansa first class terminal and my daughter was there again. And after I drank some scotch with her at the bar, um, we went to your go daughter, walk around. Your daughter was sipping scotch? <laughs> she, she sipped milk, but uh, we did drink together at did the bar. Did you guys bar. do a cheers at least? Clank? Yes, we did. We did. We did. She was 18 months. Um, so, you know, uh, we were at the bar together. So it was, I have a nice picture. But 
then we were walking around and then one of the people who worked at the first class terminal came out with a bunch of rubber duckies and they had this like semi fancy like fountain and she like put the rubber duckies in the fountain and encouraged my daughter to like play in the fountain i felt so bad and like so awkward because it was like the first class terminal and it just seemed like too bougie but you know my daughter's here playing with the flight not flight attendant but with the terminal attendant with Lufthansa first class ducks in the fountain. So uh, that made me feel pretty uncomfortable, but it was a quirky thing that happened to us when we were uh, first class adjacent. Sean busts out all his Conrad ducks when his daughter ever has a bath. Yes, they're all <laughs> playing there, but I don't have any uh, Lufthansa first class terminal ducks. So yeah, cause you there. won't go to the holiday markets with me, Sean, maybe next year, Mark. God, I got a family. Jeez. Um, before yeah. we, before we move Mark on, doesn't have a family. Yeah. <laughs> My wife actually listens to the podcast. Thanks for that one, Joe. <laughs> before we move on, I did want to do a shout out to Bethany of Bougie Miles, because I think tomorrow she's flying from Milan to Dubai, then Abu Dhabi back to Paris just so she can go to Germany. And that I was, I didn't mess that up. That's exactly what she's doing. So. That's pretty yeah, crazy, and it's, so. it's actually a little bit better than what she first booked when she was going from New York to Chicago to I don't even know. She's crazy. She's crazy. So anyway, uh, hi Bethany, we love you. And our next thing is just I just wanted to highlight a post on the site Global Entry Timeframe. Um, it took me about four months from the time I applied to get my Global Entry to when the renewal was approved. Some people get it much quicker, some people much slower. So if you have questions about that, lots of data points in the comments. But it's taking months and months, something to be aware of if you have to renew your global entry membership. Another thing, the Amex uh, made a little change to their Uber credit for the Amex Platinum card, right, Mark? Uh, How does it work now compared to the way it did before? Yeah, so when they initially set up the Uber credits where you get the 15 per month uh, and 35 in December, it just auto-used it. And that was nice because you never had to worry about it. And then they changed it like a year ago to where you had to specifically select the credit. Uh, and I think that was to cause breakage where people would forget to do it or whatnot. But uh, they, now they have switched back to where it just automatically gets used first. So you don't have to worry about it every month. If you use Uber, Uber Eats, it'll be the first thing that comes off the top. So that's a nice change for us, for the consumer. Uh, something that should have never changed the other way in the first place. But now it'll be easier to use each month. Just ate my Panda Express tonight. My credit is already gone. <laughs> Are you <laughs> using the day one? Usually I use Uber Eats like the last day of the month. I'm like, oh, crap, we got to use it. I always use it early. And then like in the middle of the month or towards the late, I'll like, look, eh, maybe I didn't use it. I'll forget. And then I'll go, oh, yeah, I used it. But uh, October 1st, that's pretty impressive. The uh, last day of the month thing is dangerous um, because you might mix it up if you have the gold card as well. Or if you only have the gold card, you might mix it up with your Grubhub credit. And those... Sometimes like if you go on the last day of the month, they don't post till the first day of the next month. And then you have to like call and ask them to like make a one-time accession, blah, blah, blah. With the Uber one, since it comes off immediately, it works fine. But you know, if you're using the Grubhub ones, um, wait till, don't wait till the last day of the month, do it a day or two before. All right. And uh, the last story is uh, just two cool 5X. We love our 5X ultimate rewards. Um, there's Office Depot and Staple deals this week. You can find out all the details on the site, but Great ways to buy uh, Visa gift cards without a cost and to earn great rewards. So check that out. But I wanted to ask you guys, which uh, we've lost a lot of 5X opportunities uh, with chasing cards and ultimate rewards. Which one do you guys miss the most? PayPal digital gifts easily, hands down. 
no doubt about it. Well, I, I have to say, since they've cut it, that the deals on PayPal digital gifts has, have been pretty much non-existent, so it doesn't hurt as much. But that was an easy one to just buy a whole bunch of gift cards and resell um, third-party gift cards. So I did a lot of that and, and pumped out a lot of spending through that. And once that died, it, it it was a big stab to my earning potential. What about you, Joe? I don't think any of my earning potential has gone down, but my liquidation potential uh, went down a ton. I mean, I used to, yeah, I think it's dead for good. So I used to use this bill pay service called Tio. Uh, it was originally Charge Smart, and I would just buy Visa gift cards from Staples online and then uh, liquidate them on Tio and never leave my house. It wasn't, it wasn't like a huge deal. I think I was getting points at like around 0.7 cents per point or something like that, but I was redeeming them for you know, up to 1.2, 1.5. Um, and so I was perfectly happy doing that. You know, I'm happy. I'm, I am not like super particular about how much I pay for points as long as it's under one cent. I know that offends a lot of people, but I only have so much time. And so I miss the easy liquidation that I used to have. Um, so I can still get as much 5X as I want. Oh, well, I guess Staples moved to their dumb one gift card per thing, but sometimes I can get a nice teenager to swipe a few for me. Um, I do love the teenager cashiers. They don't know what's know. going They're on. Just, like <laughs> nine out of 10 of them do not give a crap. Um, and then if you get the one out of the 10 who really wants to follow the rules, you know, you just come back later. Um, so, you know, uh, that's, I just miss the liquidation. Like I think liquidation is everything like my mom, like uh, the myelonomics guys always say. Yeah, I, I uh, agree with you there. Um, easy ways to liquidate. My favorite uh, used to be vanilla reloads back in the day. I know that's years and years ago, but uh, you would just buy them oh, and then just go out on the your phone. good old days. Yeah, just go out and load the number onto your, you know, you would go up to a website and put the number in and it would load into your into your account and then you would just uh, pay the credit card off and it was a beautiful thing. But uh, certainly there's still opportunity out there and uh, it's not quite the same as it used to be, but um, I also miss like PayPal digital gifts and uh, some of those gift card uh, merchant five X's as well, but still lots of cool things to buy, I suppose. So yeah, I know Amazon on gift was a big one for you, but they yeah. once they took Amazon off and then it stopped earning five times as well. Yeah. My, my ultimate rewards balance has done nothing but go down this year. I got to get more serious about uh, replenishing uh, my stock after all the travel this year, but it's been fun. And uh that's it for this week. I think uh, this was a pretty darn good show. Um, before we go, guys, uh, Joe, you want to remind everywhere where they can uh, follow you? And Sure. You can find me at, at As The Joe Flies all over social media. You can find me podcasting at SaveRossityObservationDeck.com. That's a Miles and Points podcast. You can also find me at DisneyDeciphered.com. That's a Disney planning podcast. And uh, you can find me writing at AsTheJoeFlies.com occasionally. I think I said that already. Um, yeah. And Mark? You can find me mostly in our uh, Facebook group, which there's links to it on uh, the Miles to Memories homepage. And uh, if you want to email me, mark at milestomemories.com. Those are the two best ways to get a hold of me. All right. And uh, you can follow me at Best Disney Hacks on Twitter. And of course, at Miles to Memories on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, everywhere else. Um, as a reminder, if you love the show, please consider telling a friend and giving us a great review. We really appreciate it and uh, subscribe mtmpodcast.com. Have a great week. See, See ya. See you next week. See you at McDonald's, Mark. 
Oh yeah, I want hash browns. Extra crispy. Oh, so good. So whoa, you can do that. Yeah, you just ask him to cook them longer. Oh, pro tip. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, save the best for last. All right, see y'all next week. All right. And now enough talk about uh, Florida once again, the Lord's, world's largest McDonald's and Disney and all that stuff. Let's not do that. Let's uh, in the spirit of great transitions. <laughs> You're nailing it again show, already. Because <laughs> um, they added uh, 2X at U.S. Uh, restaurants and no foreign transaction fees. It was uh, two times at. U.S. Now it's two times worldwide at restaurants. Oh, uh, Let me go back. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking right at it. It says previously U.S. only. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Apologize. One second. I have a thought, but um, okay. someone's walking through. Get the dog. Get the dog. Get that dog. <laughs> Ruby, go home. Ruff, ruff, ruff.